This is an Ethiopian called Tencho. Tencho, okay. And, uh, natural process. You'll get some nice fruit notes. Oh yeah. Right now, Ethiopians and Kenyans are at the end of their fertile harvest, but we're getting some good Kenyans and good Ethiopians right All now. Right. It's really hey, delicious. Thanks. And right behind them is uh, the Central Americans are going to start. Right in January is when they start harvesting in Central America. Oh man, it's, it's an amazing thing to smell that coffee on the fields. It's so like coyly delicious and sweet. Hello and welcome to episode number six of the Coffee Man Show. This is Ed Barnett, your host. Today I'm talking with Steve Chang of Copa Vida Cafe in Pasadena, California. Welcome, Steve Chang. Let's go. I don't know, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you guys are. I, uh, my name is Steve Chang. I'm the owner of, one of the owners of Copa Vida Cafe in Pasadena. Uh, we're located here in Old Town. Um, I'm a, a long-time member of Pasadena. I live here, and, and I now I used to live here, and I live uh, close by now. But I, uh, yeah, I'm a big, big uh, fan of Pasadena and, and the culture and the community that's here. So uh, it was really natural for me to look for a, a coffee shop to open in, in, in Pasadena. But yeah, this is uh, our year and a half in. Uh, we opened last year in August. And spent a few months before that getting ready. So it's about a year and a half since we've been in this space, and I'm just really uh, thrilled and happy to see where it's at now. I noticed the plaque that says 8113. So 81, a few years before that is my anniversary. So ah, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, tell us, you know, we're in Pasadena. Why don't you mention just a little bit about the area since we got listeners around sure. the globe here? Yeah. Pasadena is a, a, you can't really call it a small city, it's just uh, north of downtown Los Angeles. Uh, it used to be the original suburb of uh, Los Angeles. People used to live here and commute into downtown to work and the 110 freeway is one of the first freeways uh, uh, in Los Angeles and it's kind of a silly freeway because it was actually designed for when cars were doing about 30 miles per hour at top speed <laughs> and so it, it's a silly freeway but in many ways, it's got a lot of history. Pasadena has a lot of tradition. It's, uh, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl is here. The Rose Parade is here. Right. Uh, there was a point when Rose Parade was uh, uh, two carts and a couple of horses and a bunch of people on a haystack. And now it's this amazing uh, uh, annual worldwide event that people come to enjoy. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of deep, rich history here in Pasadena. And uh, the other thing about Pasadena I really love is there's a it's a it's a little nexus point for diversity. You walk down the streets here, you see people from all different communities who hang out here uh, and work here and live here. So you have a lot of Asian Americans from San Diego Valley coming up this way. You have the traditional uh, families that have been here for many many years. So it, it, it's a it's a nice little mix and culture now a lot of. Hispanic population is moving into this area as well, so it's always been a, a, a place where I think people gather and I really enjoy that. Yeah. Right on. Well, bring us right in the front doors, and here we sure. are with a story behind the storefront, as I like to call it. So, uh, Copa Vida, what do you want guests to experience when they, when they walk into the front door here? Yeah, we designed our coffee shop with the concept of go enjoy experience. We have three separate bars at our shop. The Go is an honor bar. We only have it in the mornings uh, during commuting hours. And the idea here is that we don't want to bother you. We understand you're in a rush to get your caffeine fix and be on your way to work or to your meetings. So it's a self-serve honor bar. You come in, you drop uh, $2 if it's your own cup, $2.50 if it's uh, our cup. And we just have a little sign. We don't check on you. We trust you. And 
hope that you trust us to have great coffee and a batch brew and so we'll set up a, a Fedco station out there and, and you literally serve yourself. And uh, it's our way of saying, hey, community, we understand your need and we're trying to meet you where you are. So a lot of times you go into a great coffee shop on your way to work and I would have this sort of ah feeling in my gut because I'd walk in and see the line and oh, yeah. know I'd have to turn around and leave. And I really want that cup of coffee, right? Sure. So uh, it, it's one of the ways that I wanted to meet that need. Yeah, love it. Now that's great. <laughs> and the Enjoy Bar is a traditional bar. Uh, it's got our baristas uh, stationed in a very sort of kind of typical way. But uh, the the signatures for our bar is that um, first and foremost, it's lowered. It's a little bit lower than most bars, and the reason is because I wanted to have our baristas be able to make eye contact over the machines with our customers. We bought low profile machines. The Spirit from Keith Van Der Westen is a beautiful machine, but that wasn't the only reason we bought it. It was because it has a low profile and allows our baristas to actually interact with folks across the, mach uh, the, the machine. Yeah. And um, on the other side, we have an Alpha Dominche, which is uh, a, a coffee brewing method and a tea brewing method. It's a siphon, automated siphon system. But we chose this specifically for just tea. It's, we're not just a coffee shop. We have coffee and tea. Tea is just as important to us. And I've always had a difficult time serving tea or getting tea where it's just hot water in a bag. Not because you can't get uh, good tea out of hot water in a bag of teas, but I never know when to take it out. And timing in tea is critical to whether it's over or under extracted. Okay. It's all about the right time and the right temperature. And the Alpha was the only machine I could find that allows me to program the different crucibles and get that exactly right as we think it should be. Uh, and at the same time, still have that drama on the on the counter, and, and just really be a machine that draws people to our tea program. So that's our traditional bar. So the Alpha on one side, and, and the Spirit on the other. And then we have our experience room where we do slow bar events. We'll do classes on latte art. We'll do you know uh, flights of coffees, flights of teas. We'll sell at some points uh, pairings with tea. We did a tea and chocolate pairing not too long ago. Oh, that really? was a, a big hit for us. And <laughs> yeah, uh, latte art classes on uh, a Valentine's Day was a big hit for us as well. Sure. Yeah, they came in as a couple and learned how to make hearts on a on, on a cappuccino cup together and, and, and share that with each other. So it, it's a it's that kind of stuff. There's education, obviously, for a slow bar. You know, for us to be able to sit down with somebody and discuss why this tea is this way, and mm -hmm. we'll do gong fu service back there. Uh, so it's a time for us to spend a lot more time with each other uh, between the customer and, and us about the, the, the product itself. Yeah, That is great. So you, you've, you, you're catering to the people in the morning that are in a hurry and then in, in just a community hub yeah. in, in all aspects. Yeah. Right on. So take us back, uh, Steve, to the first idea of Copa Vida Coffee. Here. Sure. And then also... Uh, you know, is this your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Or are you a serial entrepreneur? You know, help us out with that too. Sure, sure. I want, um, to to, want to get to know you and how you think as well. Yeah. I think I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, whether I wanted to be or not. Uh, <laughs> as an uh, immigrant child, I, I, I came to the States when I was eight years old. And my parents, after about a year of trying to do different jobs, decided to become small business owners. And so since I was about 10, I've been involved in small business as a family. Because in Asian American culture, um, if your parents are in small business, your the children are in the small business as well. You know, the, they you end up working there after school. You you end up helping out over the weekend. So I've always been a part of our family's business in one way or another. In that sense, um, 
then I went and got my uh, master's in urban planning that I was going into uh, doing some nonprofit work uh, in race relations work. And that's a, a passion of mine. Uh, conflict resolution and mediation is, is sort of the field that I was really interested in. Okay. And then somehow, through a long story, which I spare you guys from, I ended up uh, running a noodle ma- uh, manufacturing uh, company. Uh, I was the VP of operations for a company called Passport Food Group uh, for about... Uh, 12 years. It's okay. uh, my wife's family's business and I worked there with my brother-in-laws and my sister-in-law and my father-in-law and we, we just had a great time taking that business uh, uh, to uh, yeah, a, a considerable size and about two and a half years ago we exited from that business and, and I sat around for a year going, what do I do next? Okay. How do I, you know, uh, we, we sold to a, an equity firm and now we're trying to figure out what next in our life stage and so... I had this interesting conversation with my accountant who said, hey, Steve, you know, you, you just sold your business. You need to start doing something. Uh, why not start a pet project? Maybe look at a small business uh, 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 as the next thing. So I looked at my wife and my wife and I had talked about this when we first got married, but I always told her that when I retired, I would like to retire with a coffee shop and a bakery because I love to wake up in the morning with the smell of coffee and break bread. Right? So that, okay, if I had a wish, that would be my wish. You know, uh-huh. you know, the other thing being becoming the manager of the Dodgers, which isn't going to happen. So <laughs> maybe the coffee and the uh, uh, bakery thing would be something I can you know uh, really embrace. So I started to look into that, and, and by nature, when I get into something, I really get into it. And I've always had a love affair with coffee and. And since college, where my light bulb went off drinking a, a Kenyan called the Peaks of Kilimanjaro, I still don't remember the name mm. of that coffee. I, it really blew my mind and it really uh, uh, opened my eyes to what coffee could taste like. So well, I, Let me stop mm-hmm. you there. So your, your con, uh, perception of coffee before that, just briefly, was... Oh, uh, before... Before you had the, the, the light Kenyan, bulb moment. The yeah. light bulb moment of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it was, for me, very much uh, uh, a sweet drink. Because I was introduced to coffee through coffee candy. So the coffee candy having more milk, cream, and sugar flavors than coffee, ah. that's what I always associated with flavors of coffee. So by, by naturally, wherever coffee shop or whenever I was offered coffee, without even thinking about it, I always put cream and sugar in it because that's my assumption of what coffee should taste like. Okay. So I had walked into this coffee shop and I was in the middle of doing the same thing. I ordered a, a coffee. And I was about to pour cream and sugar in it, and the barista looked at me. Sorry for the uh, sirens in the back. It's all right. Uh, but the barista looked at me and said, literally, dude, can you hold off on that for a second? And I'm like, okay. That's a Cup of Excellence award winner level coffee. Something to that effect. And it's many, many years ago, so I don't remember clearly. But he, I remember him saying it was an award winning coffee. So I'm like, what does that mean? And it's like, so can you just try it before you put that on? And you know, if you, you know, want to put all that stuff in afterwards, no problem. But you gotta just try it. It's so good. And I remember drinking it and thinking, this isn't coffee, but it's delicious. And I don't know what it is. It seemed more like tea to me because I associated tea with all these variety of flavors. But okay. with coffee, it was always cream and sugar flavor is what I thought coffee was. But that moment when I thought, okay, this is what coffee is supposed to taste like sign me up, I want this. And then since then, I'd go to coffee shop after coffee shop looking for that flavor. So that experience yeah. was in college for you? Yeah. In college years? Yeah. Okay, so back on track with uh, where we were yeah. with your wife and talking to your, your planner and everything. Yeah, so you know, we thought, okay, 
if I'm going to do a coffee shop and it's going to be a pet project while I figure out what to do next with my life, then I should do some research. And I start doing that research and I realize, no, this isn't something I want to do as a pet project. This is what I want to do, period. So <laughs> uh, I, I decided to take a year off and, and thankfully and gratefully, I, we had the resources to take some time to do our research. So my wife and I uh, traveled all over just to look at coffee and understand coffee. So we spent some time in Europe looking at you know, one of the very first coffee shops in history in Venice, in St. Mark's Square, there's a coffee shop that was supposed to be considered, uh, you know, the originator, if you will, of what we understand to be cafes now in the Western world. Uh, went to Cafe Santa Eustachio in Rome, which is an amazing experience, and uh, just tried out all these different coffee shops in Europe to get that understanding of what that was like. Then I spent a week in Seattle just doing a coffee call there. I think I visited uh, about four coffee shops, four to five coffee shops a day, uh, and I did that for like five, six days straight. And uh, in Seattle, you can do that and still sure. not see everything. Uh, <laughs> but I really wanted to understand that coffee culture. And then uh, Portland did the same, spent the week out there just uh, visiting coffee shops. And, and, and there's a gentleman named Travis from Stumptown who met me there, who I met through some other friends. And he took me around and showed me his favorite places. And I still owe him a debt of gratitude for uh, an eye-opening and uh, uh, just mind-blowing educational experience. But yeah, it took me to these amazing coffee shops. And I took a whole bunch of things away from there. Uh, in fact, the honor bar came from uh, uh, my experience watching that play out at a Stumptown Cafe oh, good. in Portland. So okay. I, I give credit where credit is due. Sure. Yeah, the, I saw that happening and I thought, that's amazing. I, I want to see that in my coffee shop. Uh -huh. You know, um, So everywhere I went, I, I picked up a little bit of uh, information about coffee shop that actually you can see in the cafe here at Copa Vida. And then the big trip for me was spending about uh, three, four weeks down in Costa Rica mm. uh, at a farm uh, at a place called Copedota, uh, which is a co-op of uh, 800 family uh, growers. Uh, and the, the mill is a co-op and it's run by this amazing, amazing gentleman who taught me so much about coffee, so much about what uh, uh, direct trade and fair trade actually means and should mean, who taught me so much about why this is such an amazing product. And, and I, I literally start to fall in love with this idea of, I want to be in this industry from top to bottom. I don't want to just be a coffee. I, I just want to do all of it. It was so great you know, to see coffee at its source. Till I got there, I never knew what a coffee fruit tasted like. It wasn't until I was there that I got a chance to eat the berries. And I was picking with the other uh, laborers and I kept on putting coffee cherries in my mouth to eat it. And they would get annoyed with me because you know, for them, it's like, what are you doing? This is a livelihood for us, and we're picking it because every one of these things we pick means a certain amount of money because they, you know, uh, get paid by the, the weight of okay. what they pick. And here I am, you know, being a dumb tourist and eating cherries while they're working <laughs> hard. So it, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot. I, I, I was uh, humbled by the amount of passion and energy and work and sweat and tears that goes into getting a, a cup of coffee to a table in North America. So. It really put things in perspective for me. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, Roberto's the name of the gentleman, and he just you know was so amazing about putting things in perspective. You know, okay. for example, he gave me this statement about sustainability and why uh, being good to the environment is important to him. And he said, you know, Steve, I have no, I'm not an environmentalist by any means. I don't uh, you know try to do this because I have a green you know kind of approach it's that this farm was given to me by my father 
it was given to him by his father and I have to leave it for my child hmm. and if I ruin the land on which this is growing for my profit only then I'm killing it for my child so I owe it to my child and the generation after that to take care of this land to do right by it so you know they, they these guys are zero carbon footprint already they take the the, the fruit of the, uh, the 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 cherries and they, the pulp and they dry it out and use it as uh, uh, fuel for their roaster and their burners okay. so that it doesn't have to, they don't have to bring in coal from outside. They just have this amazing way of doing things and understanding things. So it just blew my mind. I, I walked away from there just completely uh, with a new perspective on what coffee means uh, to different people in the world. Yeah. And it's also one of the places where I had the worst cup of coffee taste-wise because it wasn't so it, it, it is so not like what I expect from coffee now in terms of you know the the, the you know using a pour-over station or, or you know Hari to V60 is my favorite but using those things to you know get good flavors and then you're, you're getting coffee from a sock out in Costa Rica and their understanding of what a good cup of coffee is versus mine was so different and we're using the same cherries it, it was like I said, it was a mind-blowing experience for me to understand what good is and what specialty is and all those things. Huh. So I'm on the very last day of my Costa Rican trip. And um, the, the last class that I took there was actually in latte art. So I was uh, uh, learning from this woman who's 26 years old. Melina is her name. And she had been a barista since she was 13. Wow. And so she's been doing this latte art since she was 13, literally. And so she was teaching me how to make hearts, and my hearts were coming out off-center, oblong, not symmetric, just a mess. And hers comes out beautiful every single time. So kidding me, I look over and, I, and I'm like, Melina, what's wrong with me? Why is it that mine looks like this and yours looks so pretty? I mean, I know the answer to that. She's had 13 years experience. But her answer to me, again, blew my mind. She said, it's because you don't love coffee yet. And I'm like, excuse me, you know how much money I spent to come down here to, to learn from you guys? And you're telling me I don't love coffee? And she kind of, you know, she's like kind of smiling and she said, like, but Steve, you know, I live with this every day. This isn't just a job for me. It's not just a livelihood. It's my passion. It's, it's something that drives me. I get up in the morning to serve my village, the, you know, this amazing cup of coffee. And it's something I, I, I live with it every day. I'm a part of it. For you, you're getting into it, but it's going to take some time for you to really fall in love with it the way I'm in love with it. So she was kind of smiling, and I'm getting tooled, basically, by this 26-year-old. I'm in my 40s, and I won't tell you how deep into my 40s, but she was really teaching me a life lesson about what it meant to get into something. Hmm. And it bugged me. So I'm on the plane back from Costa Rica, and I'm thinking, and that phrase just won't leave my head. So I start journaling and I start writing things down going, do I really love coffee? What is, what is it that about coffee? And so I start trying to make a list of things that I love about coffee. And when I looked at the list, I realized she was right. I don't love coffee, I love cafes. I love community, I love space. I love the way a cafe brings people together. I love the interaction that happens in a cafe. Most of my first dates were in a coffee shop. Most of my uh, uh, senior thesis was written in a coffee shop. My master's dissertation written in a coffee <laughs> shop, literally. And so I, oh, okay, that's what I love. Ah, I love coffee. Don't get me wrong. I, I have a passion for coffee, but I don't love it the way she loves it. It's different, and I understand that now. But my love for cafes is what's driving me, is what I start to understand. 
So when I came back, I decided what I need to then do now is find partners who are in love with coffee, like she's in love with coffee. If I'm going to be about this, then I want to be about this. What I'm love, in love with is the idea of the cafe, of the coffee house, of that space. So I started pulling a team together and I uh, ended up meeting Frank and Sam, uh, who are amazing baristas. And those guys are in love with coffee, the way Melina is in love with coffee. And then I ended up uh, having a similar approach to our food program. So I found a chef who's in love with food like Melina's in love with coffee. And the four of us in the beginning, our team is a little bit larger now, but the, that's the four of us that started Coco Vida. Yeah, uh, we got together, we sat in this office that we're talking in right now, and for three months we just banged heads against each other, argued, fought, you know, prayed and just cried over stuff, <laughs> and, and just came up with these uh, amazing ideas from this interchange between uh, the four of us, and, and that's what opened up Copa Vida. Wow, so just over yeah. a year ago now, huh? Yeah, a year August. and yeah, yeah okay. a couple months. August yeah. 1st, right? Yeah. Grand opening. Yeah, and our grand opening was wild. Really? Uh, we didn't find out from the city whether we could open on August 1st till uh, uh, two days before. Okay. So, yeah, it was really bad planning on my part, but there was a hiccup that came up with permitting, and so I thought we were going to be no problem, and they thought, you know, no, we got to go through this process. Oh boy, so I can't do advertising. I can't because I don't know whether I'm gonna be able to open it or not. Yeah. So I held back, held back, held back. We got the, the, the notice on Tuesday, sent out a bunch of emails Tuesday night, and I looked at my staff and said, you know, let's not have any big expectations. You know, it's okay. Um, I'd rather be open than to, you know, keep waiting for something big and then, you know, it's all right. We'll, we'll just, whether it's 20 people that come or 40 people that come, we'll just have a good time and celebrate our hard work. That night we opened for three hours. It was sort of a soft opening, grand opening party, and, and we opened for three hours and gave coffee away. Uh, and so, you know, we literally made coffee for free, and that was our thing because I didn't think anybody was going to come. We went through one week's worth of coffee in three hours, over eight hundred something cups that we served. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> in three hours, we had people out on the street. It, it, it was it was amazing. It was wild. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So permitting. Yeah, so you, you've talked about the steps. You got the, the team together yeah. to make that into a plan. You, yeah. you had the dream for the cafe. That's all good stuff. And then, yeah, so the obstacles. What were some of the obstacles? You know, I mean, you mentioned permitting or, yeah. or final occupancy. Uh, I think the biggest obstacles for me here in getting this started was, uh, I, don't, I don't know how I would rank it, but actually working with the city of Pasadena, I think if you do your homework with any city and you understand what they're looking for before you start working, then you can prepare yourself. And that's one of the things I learned from my previous job in, in, in food manufacturing. So the permitting part wasn't that difficult. In fact, getting it open in three months is actually quite a feat. I mean, most places take six months to a year to open. We did it in three. And so even that hiccup with the permitting was just a, a clerical issue. It wasn't like something that couldn't be fixed. It's Three just, months just, is not much time. No. That's amazing. Right yeah. And one of the much. reasons we were able to do that was we actually went into a space that was already a, a restaurant. I think the challenge for a lot of specialty coffee shops, third wave coffee places, that they like finding places that are non-traditional uh, restaurant spaces or, or coffee shop spaces, mm -hmm. you know, an artist district, a warehouse, uh, uh, an old uh, bookstore that they're going to convert into, you know, so because they like the sense of space and the sense of the character and the personality within the building. So because of that, I think a lot of times we end up choosing places that are not 
well geared for uh, getting the right kind of permits to get started. Gotcha. For us, we were very fortunate to find a space that had that character and was already a restaurant. So you know, the restaurants are uh, the restrooms are already ADA spec. The that the bar is already, the bar area already had the right floor sinks in. So it saved a lot of time on our end to move into something that was already, in a way, halfway built out. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. The other challenge was, I think for me, the fear, getting over the fear of whether or not specialty coffee would work in Old Town Pasadena. Okay. I, I get asked this question a lot. You know, they were asking me, uh, you opened up, you know, a block away from intelligentsia was that a smart business decision and my answer to them was yes and no uh no in the sense that they're an amazing coffee shop and they represent a huge uh competitor right within arm's reach and so my product is going to be compared to their product so if i don't do a good job people are going to notice right away so in that sense it's very sort of daunting but the other thing that being so close to intelligentsia did for me was it gave me the permission to sell coffee at a certain price point. Hmm. If I was open next to a Starbucks and I had a coffee that was a dollar higher than Starbucks and I'm being compared to them, I'm going to have a hard time convincing my customer, new customers, that they should buy this at a dollar higher than what they could get. Now, I hope my product is better, but you know, it's perception, so I would have a hard time convincing people of that. But Starbucks being here, uh, I'm sorry, Intelligentsia being here, created uh, uh, an argument for specialty coffee in this area. So people knew where to put me in terms of a category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that allows me to you know, find that partnership. And I, and I really believe, especially in third wave coffee, because we're such a small portion of the overall coffee industry, I really believe rising tide raises all shit. When we work together as an industry to get our, our, our product to be more accepted by, by, as a norm, our price points to be accepted as the norm, that's when I think we all succeed. And, and again, this is something I learned in Seattle and Portland. You go there, there's a coffee shop, top of a coffee shop, on top of a coffee shop. And they all do well. I mean, let's face it, we sell an addictive product. You know, most people who drink coffee don't go a day without drinking coffee. It would be very hard to. It's part of our ritual, it's part of our nature. It's a, an addictive product that's good for you and it's at a price point where you're not knocking over liquor stores to get money for it. You, you know what I mean? It's, yep. Yeah, it's, it's reachable. It's sure. very approachable product. And so it's really, I think, important for us to work together and be sort of uh, you know, collaborating with each other in the business and, and support one another's growth. And I don't think I impacted them negatively and it hasn't impacted us negatively. And I think we're both growing as a business uh, being close to each other. Right on. Yeah. Um, well, you grew, you grew up in an entrepreneurial family. You've mm-hmm. talked about that. So just to spotlight you a little more personally, um, you know, and free agency is on the rise and just kind of take a little tangent here. But, you know, you're still a minority in the sense that, hey, you know, I'm going to do this venture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a shop. It's going to be, you know, my endeavor. Maybe I have partners. But um, what strengths, I guess, let's say, have you yeah. leveraged to do this? I mean, you pulled the team together. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most important thing is a lot of people get into coffee and coffee shops with too narrow of uh, a focus. Hmm. While Melina makes a barista, and while I'll never be her level of a barista, no matter how hard I try, she's got 13 years ahead on me. I can't, I'm always going to be playing catch up with her in terms of my skills behind the bar. 
but she's going to have that same problem understanding the business side of it. So a person who loves coffee alone isn't going to be uh, uh, finding it very easy to run a business because all of a sudden, you, you know, I know so many people who said coffee sounds cool. I want to get into it. This is what I do. I love coffee. They open up the business and they find out most of their time isn't making coffee. Most of their time is spent on payroll, on figuring out who has overtime, on how to deal with sick days, on how do I pay my taxes, how do I, what do I do with my merchant services fees, why is that so high, how do I set up my POS, what's my inventory management, what's my cash flow, how do I set up financing for my, that's what sucks up all your time. So you go into it thinking, I'm going to be this coffee guy, and you end up being this small business guy. Sure. Yeah, and then... And, and so some of that passion gets kind of pulled away. So if you don't enter into it with that already as an important part of what you do in mind and have that expectation, then I think it's really, really tough. I think it's rare that someone who is just focused on coffee is able to succeed in a coffee shop. It usually takes someone you partner with that is going to be willing to do some of that work as well. I, I think that makes a great partnership. So I think for me, you know, the biggest thing is go into it understanding that it is a business at the end of the day and you have to have some business acumen and you have to have that play a factor in your, in your experience level if you're going to do a good job with it as a business. I know too many people, not just in coffee, but in other areas too, where their passion and love for the product they have overwhelms their business side and they literally go bankrupt making great stuff does that make sense you know that idea if you build it right people will buy it well uh sometimes <laughs> sometimes you succeed with that and sometimes you don't yeah and the other thing to me also is that um going at it alone is really hard it makes a lot of sense to have a good team i love being surrounded by people who are more talented than me in different areas that i'm not i love being in a room full of people who are smarter than me because then I learn from them. I, I get stuff out of that, you know, and I get to lean on that. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, and, and I've played baseball and softball all my life, but one of the things I love about that game is that no one can win it by themselves. Mm -hmm. Even an ace pitcher needs somebody to score for you in order for you to win that game. Right? So, I mean, in fact, there are records of people who've thrown, you know, no hitters in a game or no run and still lost the game because they couldn't score. And you know, uh, So I, I really want to work with a group of people yeah. who also are good at things that are complementary to what I'm good at. So I have my place in the business and they have theirs. And for me, they're not named partners just to appease that or to get create a sense of, oh yeah, we're all friends. Actually, they're actual partners. They actually own piece of the business because it's their soul and their talent and their skill sets part of what's built here. You know, it, it's not just me and my ideas. In fact, you know, the percentage of my ideas was probably small in comparison to the group as a whole. Hmm. Um, as the, the, the founder and leader, yes, I have to set vision and I won't uh, uh, compromise on values and principles. And I'm only looking for people to come to my team who have those same principles and values. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, 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 I'm not the guy that who figured out how to uh, put those tables together. Sam is he? He's the one that has that eye. You know, I'm not the one that decided the color scheme. Sam is. I'm not the one that figured out which roasters we should be working with. Frank did that. Yeah. You know, the menu is all chef. Uh, Eric 
was instrumental in coming up with all of our food programs. And likewise with my other partners in, uh, 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 in the roasting business we have going now, Clancy, our head roaster, Richard, our director of operations, Doe, our, our controller, they all have their sort of piece in this game, in this thing we're doing together. And they can all point to something and say, well, that was me. By itself, it's not that amazing, but if you put it together into this mosaic, it becomes pretty cool. It's, then you look back and you go, hey, hey, we did this. And, and that part's, I think, more fun for me than, than any personal satisfaction. No, that's great stuff. That's, you've covered a lot there. Thank you for that. So just about how you operate, you know, we're seeing yeah. your, your vision and uh, you as a visionary and being able to bring a team together. Are there any books you can recommend that sure. helped impact and form the way you operate? Yeah, I, I might uh, mess up the, the title a little bit here, but the books that I really uh, enjoyed that helped me understand this business and, and really get focused uh, was uh, How to Build Like an Ant, uh, which is about organizational development. Mm -hmm. uh, Good to Great, uh, which was an influential book for me. Um, I have this other book called The 10-Minute MBA. I always <laughs> have it as a reference book uh, on my shelf. So anytime I go, oh, what did that mean? Uh, you know, I, I kind of flip to that page and, and, okay. uh, and remind myself. Um, I think uh, uh, um, uh, the other book that kind of influences some of the way I work with uh, my team is a book called Making Room for Grace by uh, Eric Lau. Uh, and it's a faith-based book, but it's, it talks about church and development of church and church organization. So it kind of, uh, there's stuff out of there I've pulled out and kind of developing our, not that our place is a church, there are things he talks about in terms of how to create an organization that uh, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. So I've, uh, that's influenced me a bit too. Good deal. Yeah. That was a good little handful of books. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things with the Coffee Main show here is, is informing coffee lovers. Yeah. Um, part of our mission is to uh, inspire entrepreneurs. But I think there can be this idea that, like sure. you mentioned, hey, you know, I'm gonna run a coffee shop yeah. and it's gonna be great, I'm gonna smell this every morning. Yeah. And yet, there you are with payroll and doing these things. So uh, I appreciate you sharing this. Mm -hmm. And um, Oh, I'm sorry, one other book that was influential for me was the, sure. uh, uh, the, 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 the Handbook for the Professional Barista by Scott Rao, that mm. we actually even sell it here. Uh, okay. We base a lot of our, our uh, versus training uh, off that book. In fact, Scott's a, a consultant for us, and he's come by the shop and enjoys coffee here. And we, we hang out and talk about coffee business and uh, where it's going next. And it's just uh, he's one of those guys who takes coffee to another level in his conversation. Agree with him, disagree with him, it doesn't matter for me because he actually helps set a foundation of terminology of of approach, of uh, just the fact that we should approach coffee with a little bit of scientific uh, knowledge along with the art artistry that goes along with it. And, and Scott does a great job with that. So Right on. Yeah. Can we put a link to that in the show notes? Is that available on your website or? Uh, no, it's not. It's just but I, I can, here, yeah, 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 I, I can uh, get to the uh, website and stuff for Scott as well. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do that. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's quietly been very influential. I know he's been a consultant for so many different coffee shops and roasters. Okay. He recently finished the book on uh, roasting as well, too. Oh, good deal. Yeah. So just real quick, we're going to move into the next segment to kind of highlight the, the shop here itself at Copa Vida. Um, how much of your, your venture here was a, a carefully outlined business plan, and how much of it was kind of a feel as you go? Uh, I would say 95% of what happened here was based on a plan. Um, I would also say the 5% that we 
didn't plan for was the most influential, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like most impactful. So, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, we created, you know, go enjoy experience and that was by plan. We, we set up all these things, but the critical pieces weren't necessarily planned. That happened and we reacted to it. Our relationship with certain vendors and certain roasters, that happened not out of plan, but out of just talking to each other and an idea forms or finding the right people. That is really hard to plan. You can say, I want to look for these kind of people, but it's hard to find uh, right-minded people to come work with you. And so all the, the most important 5% is just, you know, yeah, happenstance and, 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 and fate and, and all those things. 95% of it, I'd say we did a good job planning. So, um, yeah, I, I really believe that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That, that really resonates with me. You have to have a game plan, whether it's something you are happy with the outcome or not. I mean, there's parts of our planning, for example, that experience bar, the slow bar I was talking about. I'm still having a hard time convincing people to come on a regular basis. It's a lot of work. And to be honest, we don't make very much money on that segment of our business because we spend so much money on high-end ingredients and barista time that by the time we deliver that product, yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, <laughs> even maybe losing money even on, on some of the, the events that we do. But I do it because it's part of our plan. So that's why I'm saying, yes, we are acting on our plan, 95% of it, I would say. But yeah, the good stuff kind of happens with that 5%. Uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So what are some highlights from that time since the grand opening of yeah. just being being especially coffee shop here on the corner in Pasadena. Yeah, the wow, so many highlights. We've had some amazing events here. I'll, I'll start with that. You know, um, we, we we were really blessed to be able to have a connection with the community right away. So we got included in by a lot of different people, a lot of different organizations around here kind of embraced us, and so we started embracing back, if you will. So we've had, uh, you know, within our first year of business, we've had four uh, uh, community events where proceeds went to a cause. Recently, we did 24 hours of coffee. Uh, we sold coffee straight for 24 hours. Okay. And all proceeds went to a group called Oasis International, which is a, a human trafficking, anti-human trafficking organization. They've been working on that issue for a long, long time. So we, we, we support them with that sponsorship. We had a pop-up here with a bunch of different vendors and shops and all that, you know, all that proceeds went there. And I think we raised somewhere around three to four thousand dollars that day for them it was just an amazing uh, uh event and then the police department came afterwards and said hey we heard about you supporting this work can we engage with you more because it makes more sense for community businesses and organizations to be working in human trafficking than the the police department does so you know let's sit down and talk about how we can work together stuff like that i mean wow that's the five percent that's amazing <laughs> you know where you do, i never planned for stuff like that it just happened and, and, and organically happens and and that's uh, amazing. So those are kind of some of the highlights. We've been able to raise money for City of Hope. We, you know, just events that we're really proud to have our name associated with. Sure. Um, some of the other highlights uh, for me is that uh, we've had a really good retention with our staff uh, year and two months in, and we've only lost two, three uh, uh, staff members and gained a lot more. Um, and, and those two, three, it wasn't uh, you know, a bad breakup or someone being fired or left. It's more they have other things in life and they're moving you know, onto either traveling or school or something, some yeah. kind of plan change. But on the most part, we've had our original staff with us, and it's we just celebrated that, you know, uh, with uh, some gifts, and we just had a good time. But um, yeah, things like that are highlights for me to, to be where we are a year from now, uh, from then. And then, um, yeah, I 
I am overwhelmed by the number of like uh, attention, amount of attention we've been getting. Like, uh, one of my barristers uh, went to Portland on vacation, and while he was there, he was getting coffee at another coffee shop up there. And they were talking, and they mentioned that he came from Copa Vida. And they're like, oh, you come from Copa Vida? We've heard of Copa Vida. How did Portland? And we're just one shot in Pasadena. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, and then I think the other thing that I really, really liked about our shop, or is a highlight for me, is walking in here once in a while and finding people who I consider to be superstars in this business having coffee here. Right on. Yeah, you know, you know guys who are amazing barista who's competitions that I've watched on TV or are, uh, on, I mean, a web podcast or webcast or uh, at SCA, they're having coffee here and talking to us about coffee. And that's always blown my mind that, wow, they, they'll come here. Wow, that's great. <laughs> well, do you have any, um, any plans for the future that you'd want to share with us? Sure. Uh, we, our, our, our desire has always been to have multiple ca- cafes mm-hmm. uh, and a roasting facility. And so, uh, Last year, December, we purchased a, a, a roasting company called True Beans. It's a nano roaster, very small, uh, and we are growing that. So we are going to be launching our wholesale brand in about month, month and a half, knock on wood, if okay. uh, everything goes to plan. But we hope to launch our wholesale Copa Vida uh, uh, brand uh, of roasted coffees and really excited about that. Getting a chance to work with some importers that I'm really happy with and uh, starting to finally be able to go back to Dota and, and start bringing some beans there. So I'm really geeked out about it. Um, and we're opening our second unit down in San Diego, uh, in uh, uh, East Village down in San Diego, right outside of Petco Park, literally part of the baseball stadium. All right on. And so I'm really excited about that opening and being able to, to take some coffee down there. Uh, not that there isn't any, you know, there's some amazing coffee shops down there, mm-hmm. uh, Bird Rock and Coffee and Tea Collective. They're, they're just, they're, there's some really good programs down there already, but... Um, the developer for that that building really recruited us heavily and when I finally sat down and met with because initially I was kind of like yeah San Diego is a little bit of a trek I'm not going down there but uh, when I once I sat down with them and started to talk to them and I realized what they wanted out of the space it's almost identical to what we want to provide in that space and a, a great partnership formed and so we ended up going down there but yeah those are the two big uh, uh, things happening for us outside okay, of okay so year. do you have a date for san diego for opening not uh, yet okay yeah, so because we're going through all those permitting yeah. and design no that's exciting yeah. though yeah that's great is. now okay then the other question i have is the roasting the true bean that you mentioned mm-hmm. is that the one that's five minutes from here yes okay yeah. so that will be something that's opening up and the public will be able to come in absolutely yeah okay. we um True Beans used to be in Long Beach, and we moved it in May to Pasadena, so it could be close to the mothership here, the right. cafe. But uh, also, I, we found a space that was just ideal for our, our, our size and our situation. So uh, we recently did a crowdfunding uh, support for buying another roaster. We got a Joker, 15 kilo Joker, and okay. we're just super excited about that as well. Uh, and uh, we've been playing with that for the last uh, couple of months and just uh, really ready to launch. And I know there are a lot of folks who are waiting for us to open because in the crowdfunding, we said one of the things is that they would get invited to our, our launch party. So it's coming for those of you who are going, hey, what is that party? It's coming soon. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to have a good time. And uh, yeah, we're working on a relationship with Alpha Da Vinci as well. So hopefully that partnership will bloom too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. as we get toward the end of the show here a little specifically you know what excites you about the craft of coffee we've gotten to know you sure. a little bit but but back to that and yeah. as we as we wrap up yeah coffee does several things for me um, outside of 
just being in love with the flavor and, and, and the, the, the taste of coffee. Uh, and the caffeine is a wonderful add-on to I, I live on caffeine these days. So that, that's an important part of that. But the story of coffee, how it goes from seed all the way to our cup and how intricate that whole process is, is amazing to me. And I'm really excited about uh, the idea that we can be a part of this, to, to be a steward uh, and, and just, you know, no coffee shop truly honestly can say they're in control of the total flavor of that coffee. They depend on the roasters to do the job and the roasters depend on the farmers to grow it right. And, and there's all these other people in between that help bring it from one place to another. The number of miles that coffee travels is pretty amazing, right? And the okay. no amount of hands that it takes. So I, I love the idea of being part of that, mm. part of that whole process in general. But the other thing that I think I love about coffee is that, um, I, I, I'll, I'll use cars as an example. Um, if I go from, you know, the car I had in high school was a Honda Civic. So, you know, you get that, that's really great, you know, and then you move up to your next car and, you know, sort of like, okay, I'm doing well financially, I'm going to move up, maybe look at a German car or a Lexus or something like that. And you go and it takes a significant amount of money to get to the next level of product. And then, okay, now I'm really rich and I want to go really big. Okay, now I look at Ferraris. The difference in price between a Honda and a Ferrari is ridiculous. But with coffee, there isn't that gap between the most average coffee and the most delicious coffee in price. There isn't that gap. So I can get a taste of the good life, if you will, for just a dollar more, dollar fifty more, as the difference between something that's like 70 something points uh, uh, to, to something that's like 88 points, a 90 point coffee even. You know, the price point difference for someone to enjoy that is really low. So to me, it's a very equitable and approachable product to sell. You know, I, I can tell you the difference between a two buck chuck and a hundred dollar bottle of wine. But if you ask me the difference between a hundred dollar bottle of wine and a thousand dollar bottle, I couldn't tell you and it would be wasted on me. I, I, I don't know how to experience that and I don't want to, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> but with coffee, I could get that sort of thousand dollar bottle level of coffee for just a couple of dollars more and I would be able to understand it. And I would, oh my gosh. You know, I, I'm one of those guys who did stand in line for that Panama Geisha. <laughs> and it was important for me to try. And I, you know, I love the fact that with this industry, we can give anybody access to what's the best offering in the world. I think you said reachable. Yeah. It sounds yeah. reachable earlier it's on. It's very reachable. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, finally here, what, what are some uh, tips for making a better cup of coffee at home for folks? I think for me, it all starts with two main components. That's how the way we built our shop too: uh, water and grind size. So, the, the, you know, when my friends ask me what's the best coffee machine to get, and I get asked that a lot ever since I opened up a cafe, I tell them the best thing for you to spend your money on is making sure you have great water. Because you can have the most expensive machine in the world, but if your water sucks, then it doesn't matter what the coffee was. You're, you're going to ruin that uh, if your water's not clean. You know, so. Put, invest some money in a good water filter, uh, filtration system and that's good for everything else in your family too so why not right. and then grind size I think is critical you know making sure you get even grind sizes and being able to control that uh, so that you can actually uh, uh, dial it into your taste bud for me there's no such thing as the perfect coffee that's why I love coffee so much it's always a journey it's always you know someone could open my eyes to a new way I found that in the beginning I liked certain flavor profile and I find that as I'm changing in age and in my experience my profile taste profiles are changing and and, and, and there's a reason for that and, and I, I like that whole process so 
I think it's important to be able to have a grinder that you can play with that allows you to experience those uh, uh, different nuances in coffee. So spend your money on water system and a good, good grinder. And then after that, I think uh, personally what I use at home is a Chemex because I can make several cups at a time. And whenever I make coffee, somebody else is always asking for a cup. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like Harios, but a lot of times I make uh, uh, the V60 makes, you know, a single cup. And, I, someone asked for, oh man, now I gotta make another one. So Chemex is uh, what I use at home. But yeah, I, I think I've had coffee on Kalita uh, at times that tasted better when I had it on a Kalita than over uh, a Hario because uh, the Kalita's flat bottom so it pulls differently and you get a little bit sweeter notes on, for me anyway, on the Kalita than I do on a Hario V60. So it all depends, I think, on the coffee. Okay. Uh, I'm a geek, so I have probably about six different ways of making coffee at home. And That's like the fun part it. too. Isn't yeah, it? Just, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, Steve, this has been great. Uh, let people know how they can find you here at sure. your address and then on the web as well. Yeah, we're at the corner of Green and Raymond in Old Town, Pasadena, 70 South Raymond. Uh, parking across the street, 90 minutes free in the building, and you can find parking on the street. And it's Los Angeles, so you got to mention parking. It's always an important issue. Uh, but the uh, uh, yeah, and our website is uh, copa-vita.com, uh, and um, yeah, uh, for us, I, it's so important to come to the shop to experience it. You know, website's a great way for me to, you know, touch or get the information out there. And Facebook is a great way to interact. But I find it funny sometimes that I get likes from people who are living in like North Carolina or Florida or something like that. And it, it kind of always befuddles me because how do you know what our shop is like? You must like it for from what you see on the website and stuff. But I think the best way to experience is to come here and have a cup with us. You know, uh, our staff, we've been trained to talk about it this way. We don't sell coffee. We don't sell just tea. We don't sell just food. What we sell, what we fully control here is our customer service. Customer experience is what we call it. Because everything else is dependent upon so many other factors. But customer service is something we have control over. We do a great job sometimes. We do not so great job sometimes. And that's just part of the business. But for the most part, we do focus on that. So the only way to experience it is to come and, and have a cup with us. Yeah. Well, Steve, that's great. Thanks again for your time and expertise. No we'll get this posted online soon. All right. All Thank right. you. And there you have it, folks. The story behind Copa Vida Cafe in Pasadena. Until next time, thanks for listening. Have a great day. All right, one more nugget here from Steve Chang. So, I mean, specialty coffee represents maybe 15% of overall coffee sales in America. It's the fastest growing segment, but it's if you look at it in terms of everything from Green Mountain to, to even Starbucks is only, the last time I uh, read a study on it was uh, like 35% of the total marketplace. The majority is still run and owned and drunk by the Folgers and the Hills Brothers and the, you know, the, the big, hub of coffee that you buy at Costco. Yeah.